beautiful light-filled souls. This is Trisha Barker and I'm here with Daniel Garot and we are going to talk about energy work and near-death experiences and all kind of fun things and I'm so excited to have you on this show because we've been communicating for a while now and it's so great to talk about these things. I consider you a dear friend so my well, first... <laughs> thank you so much for having me Trisha. Yes, and my first question, because so many people do like to hear about near-death experiences, is do you mind jumping in and just telling your story? Okay, uh, my NDE happened um, in 1994, November 1994. Um, I was uh, working in the forest, I was cutting down a tree, and um, I made a miscalculation really grave error and five seconds before the tree fell I knew I was going to die I just knew inside I had this really really strong feeling I said I am going to die and the tree just took off and hit me on the left side of the head it just yeah it hit me on the temple and I just went flying and um, in the moment, um, what I noticed is that I didn't lose consciousness, I didn't feel death, or I didn't feel myself dying, I felt no pain whatsoever, I just continued to exist. All I saw was my body behind me, I just saw my body and then for some reason, everything just turned black. Like, I wish I could explain that void, that blackness. I, I don't have words for it. I, when other indie eaters say that it's a void, I mean, it's a total void. But at the same time, I started getting this overwhelming feeling of joy like just just pure 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 bliss it's just happiness oh, oh I, I get that sensation right now again and then right after that followed love that feeling of love the profound profound love it was just so vast so vast and it was just coming like waves maybe waves yeah, I guess I can use the, use the word waves, yeah. And it was just hitting me, hitting me, sorry, go it ahead. It didn't feel like a choice, did it? And I think that's like, I felt just joyous to leave the body behind. Is that how you felt on some level? Like you think you would feel a lot of fear for the body, but I just felt excitement that I go on, you know, that this was a reality. Is that part of what you were feeling or... That was the greatest surprise in my world. That, <laughs> in my world at the time was, uh, I actually live on. I actually live on. I am consciousness. I live on. Yes. My body is nothing. It was nothing. It was just, I'll say it this way. Uh, in the moment, these are the words that came to me. It was just a piece of meat on the ground, and I'm sorry to put it that way. No, I understand. <laughs> but it's that insignificance that I got, yes. that my body and my form, that's all it was. It, mine was so bloody, so I saw, you know, the incision mark, and there was blood everywhere, and I was like, I don't want to look at that butchered thing. You know, like, and it just was not yes. me. <laughs> and, and that lack of attachment to it was freeing. You know, it was truly oh, very freeing. Nice. Very much so. I, oh, I remember seeing blood was out of the wound. Like it was just like it was oozing out and oozing out. And it's, I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to touch that anymore. But what happened in that void at one point is, and this is very hard for me to explain because. I really don't have words. It seemed like my consciousness was expanding and expanding and expanding. And what was opening up before me was galaxies, 
mm-hmm. within the universe, I'd see gal- galaxies like pinpoints of light, and each one had a different shape, different size, and it was just opening up and opening up and opening up. And at one point, it was just I was overwhelmed. There was, I'll say, billions upon billions upon billions. I saw um, a photo of the known universe in, back in 2014. And as soon as I saw that photo, I said, that's the closest thing I've ever seen to what I saw in my NDE. You know, and, I hate to stop uh, you, but I just no, want to interject no. really quickly. The first Please. time that you did energy work on me, I felt those galaxies. And so, you know, you didn't have to tell me about it. I hadn't, you know, heard your NDE at that point, but your energy work seemed to be coming from far away and I could just feel it. And it was amazing. So that's kind of cool that that there was I, that connection. I get people tell me this all the time. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know, tell me that. That's so interesting. But anyways, okay, so <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, so what happened is that I saw, like, my, my consciousness was expanding and I saw galaxies, galaxies and galaxies opening up in front of me. And then um, I saw what, I'll use this term, the edge of the galaxy, but it's not an edge. There's not a barrier. There's not a defining point. What I saw was just, put, I'll say potential. I don't have words. It's not <laughs> something I can explain in terms of mass. Right. I can't. I can't. I can't say, well, it looked like light. Well, it was light, and it was not light at the same time. So how do you define that? Like, it was potential of creation is all I can say. That makes sense. It's the only thing I can... It's the only terms I can use to explain. But, um, and at that point, what happened is... And this is the part I could not remember when I came back. Is that I did go to what I call home. Yes. I call it home. Uh, but it it took me years to remember this part, but it was also kept from me. Uh, because when I came back, as soon as I came back, I had glimpses of a valley. I had glimpses of the beginning of the valley, and I there was a rock, and I remember sitting on that rock, and there was a woman sitting beside me. And... I also remember a building, a cottage. It was, it was the design of a cottage, I'd say. And <clears throat> that's all I could remember at the time when I came back. And, but I was sent back to my body. I was. And so. Did that cottage have symbolic meaning to you? Because people have asked me about the car that I saw in the afterlife, because that was admittedly strange, but my grandfather looked so young that I would have never recognized him had he not been associated with that car. So did the cottage have some kind of special meaning to you later? Uh, Yes, it did. But it took me, I think it was uh, 2010 before I discovered what it was. Interesting. Yes. Um, But back to the... (laughs) I'm going to go back before I get to that point. Yeah. what about the cottage? Um, so I came back to my body. I was sent back. Uh, I did hear a voice which said, you must go back. Your time is not through. You are not done yet. There is more for you to do. You must go back. No. No, no, no. You must go <laughs> you must go back. Oh, and, so like in that way. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't want to come back. No, no, I, no, I did not want to come back. And at the po- at that point, I also realized because at the time I was married and I had a child, and he was only two years old. And I said, oh, they're going to be fine. I know they're going to be. They're coming to where I am now. They're going to be fine. So. I'm not going back. So I snapped back into my body. 
And that's when, uh, oh God, coming back to this reality was um, to my form. I'll say it this way. Coming back to my form was excruciatingly painful. Painful beyond belief because, first of all, uh, I had to wait. I was weightless in my NDE. I was weightless. Isn't that fun? You can fly. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. I was so amazing. that That's one thing that stood out so much in my NDE was that weightlessness. But I came back to my body and it was so heavy, so heavy. Yes. And I was in pain because I had the wound to contend with. And I remember opening my eyes and looking around. I could think, I could use my thoughts. Like I recognized my thoughts mm-hmm. because I was able to ask myself questions like, where am I? What happened? You know, why am I in so much pain? And then I just put my hand up to the wound and then I look and it was, I had a, I was all bloodied and then I looked at my clothes and it was full of blood. And then I tried to lift my head off the ground and it was, oh, then it crashed back and it was just way too painful. And then, this is the strange part and it took me years to figure out what had happened. But anyways, I had the voice of a woman come through and she said, place your left hand on the wound. And I did. I did. And right away, the pain just left me, left me, gone, gone. And then I could think. My thoughts were a lot clearer. And I saw, because I was driving a tractor at the time, I saw the tractor and I said, oh, I have to get up on that tractor. And that's when I noticed that I had been lying on top of my chains and it was still running. Oh, wow. And I don't know why other parts of me were not cut, but I guess I was lucky <laughs> in that sense. Uh, and... So I did get on the tractor, and I made it to the house. But um, I remember being uh, getting up on the tractor. I needed both hands, so I grabbed the steering wheel and I just hauled myself. And the pain of the wound was just unbearable, absolutely unbearable. And so as soon as I sat down, I placed my left hand again pain just went away and my thoughts were clear in the moment Mm. and so I did come back to the house went to the hospital and um, I'll jump forward here because otherwise uh, the telling of the Cindy will be way too long so (laughs) I I laughed and I thought we might go in for two hours (laughs) once we get on here (laughs) yeah I don't want that to happen so anyways uh, let's jump forward uh to when, oh, let's say a few months down the road. Uh, and started, I came back with, uh, oh, at the time I considered that like really strange phenomena, just strange abilities. Um, I saw people as tiny little galaxies. It's, if I focus, if I was in a receptive state, let's say, um, I'd see people as little galaxies, and each one of them were different. I could hear their thoughts. I'd be walking down the street, and I'd hear people's thoughts. They'd look at me, and I know exactly what they were thinking of me, and that was so disconcerting. <laughs> it isn't it? <laughs> so I've, I've experienced that to a degree. And the last guy that I interviewed said that he had this moment of oneness where he just felt love coming from everyone, and I was like, I did not always feel love coming from everyone. Sometimes people thought I was nuts because I was smiling so happily. And they were just filled with worry. And I could see, like, they were worried about their job, their spouse, their kids, their, you know, all these things. And they were annoyed that I was so happy. Like, some people would have that reaction. And then others were like, you know, they just misinterpreted. And others were just, hey, hey, smile. <laughs> did you did you get, like, exact thoughts, though, that people were thinking? Exact thoughts. Very, oh, wow. very precise. You know, the very words that they thought, I would get them. Wow. <laughs> and that was so strange to me. But what I did uh, come back with, though, is I had love for 
everything in everyone. Yes. And I loved absolutely everyone. But like you said, the thoughts that people have about you <laughs> are not always loving. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so after a while, what happened is that I just began to deny my ND, but there was a lot of it I couldn't remember. Uh, yeah. The part about the valley, I had that glimpse. Yeah. That, that glimpse. I could remember that, like the colors, the light. Oh, the light, the light. So just one quick question. Yes. You came back to a family. Did your wife notice that you were different? Did she start thinking, well, who is this guy? <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much so. Uh, I was not the same, and I was a lot more withdrawn at the same time. Hmm. Um, I was a lot more loving, loving towards everyone, and I was a lot more withdrawn. But I had a young child also. Yeah. And I saw him completely differently. Like I'd, I'd spend sometimes fifty minutes to half hour just hugging him, just holding him, and just hugging him, and it's so good just so 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 good and, and i could feel that light in him and i could see yes the light. yes i know what you're talking about so i don't have kids but this was like a year after my nda i went to visit someone in a hospital and there was the baby ward and there were these huge blown up pictures of babies and i started laughing because i looked in their eyes and i was like you were just there oh my god <laughs> You were where I was. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I see this in, in, in children, like right up, I say to about the ages uh, between eight and ten, is that they all had this bright, bright light in them because, well, they're fresh from the other side, from home. Right. You know? <laughs> so they haven't been conditioned yet. <laughs> so, like we were. Yes. Uh, so, anyways, um, moving on. Uh, deny, deny, really? deny. Yeah, because um, I wasn't comfortable with that because things were changing too dramatically for me because and I think we touched upon this at one point is that this thing about manifestation is that my thoughts, if I think of something, if I focus intently on something, I could make it happen in my life, like just for me, like not uh, cause harm to anyone. I'm right. Not right. that at all. What I mean is that if I, if there was something I needed to manifest within my life, it would happen. It would happen. Yeah. And, and what we had talked about is I got scared by that power. Like I manifested me something too. small. It took me a month to do it. And then I, I was, I wanted a guru or a shaman or someone to just lead me with this power because I didn't know how to wield it. So did you feel okay with it or did you get kind of overwhelmed? Overwhelmed. I, I, I just pushed it aside completely. I pushed my NDE aside completely, completely, but it would always, always, always come back to me. Always, each and every single day, I go through the NDE, like every single step, and it would scare me. I was afraid of my own NDE, huh. even of the love I had felt. That I kept with me, and I kept searching all over, all around me for that love, that happiness. <laughs> and it's only our connection. We can't find it anywhere <laughs> but exactly. God. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what happened is that I felt ill. I mean, very ill. Um, I developed chronic fatigue to the point where a few, well, three up to four days a week, it would take me two to three hours to get out of bed in the morning. Wow. And just making breakfast for me was a chore. I mean, it, it was a big chore for me. And... Um, so what happened is I'll jump forward to 2004. Uh, I was taking very powerful medication by then to deal with the pain because I had chronic pain. And I had paralysis in, my, uh, in one of my legs and spine, pain in my spine. Uh, it was just so excruciating at times. And um, 2004... It was December, and 
I was sitting reading a book beside a warm fire. Um, you Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. You, you need a fireplace. In Canada, you need a fireplace. Anywhere in Canada, you need a fireplace. Um, and they're comfortable to have. They're fun to have. They're fun to enjoy. <laughs> but uh, what happened is that I... I started feeling such happiness inside, such bliss all of a sudden, like reminiscent of my NDE. Uh, I started getting that feeling again. And then right beside me, about two feet away, I heard a woman's voice just say, Daniel. And I looked to my right and there was no one. I lost it, to say the least, and I just went <laughs> running out the room. So, yeah. So I... Two days later, I went to see the doctor, and um, I went through psychiatric evaluation, and everything seemed normal. You know, it's stress, and I was in pain and all that, but hmm. everything seemed normal. And two weeks after that, uh, the voice came back again. I heard the voice a second time. So I went back to the doctor. Wow. And he told me something very interesting. He said, people who hear voices and who will do harm to themselves or want to do harm to others, uh, they do not come and see doctors. Mm. So that to me meant more than he could possibly realize in the moment. Oh, that's so great that he yeah. said that. Yeah, and in 2005, what happened is um, I made a decision. There's a lot of spiritual experiences that happened between then and 2005. But I made a decision to completely heal and to heal myself. I said, I'll find a way to do this somehow. There has to be a way. And, it, and at one point, I just knew inside that there was a way I could heal myself. So... Uh, a few days after, or, yeah, something about, I'd say a few days after, a book showed up in my life where it talked about meditation as a way to healing. I don't remember the author's name. I read that book once, and it, I gave it to someone else after. And I could never remember the author's name after. But anyways, <laughs> it served its purpose. And um, the very first time I meditated, I saw an emerald green light just come down in front of me. And it was just, oh, it was so beautiful. And it felt so good inside. And then it just slowly moved towards me and entered my solar plexus. And I could feel it inside of me. I could feel tingling. It was just tingling. And it was just spreading throughout my body. And it was, oh, it felt so, so, so good. Right after the meditation, I felt well. Hmm. I, could I went outside for a walk and so I'll jump forward now. I think it was 2008. I decided to start cutting down on the medication I was taking because I was feeling well enough by then. By then. So that was how long you were meditating frequently and well, continuing to do that? Or? I was doing it twice a week. Okay. Because of the pain I had, uh, I found I had a very di difficult time uh, going into meditation at first. Uh, mm. So I, I would pick days where I felt a little bit better and then it's like, oh, today's the day. I would do it and then I would feel better. But progressively, I was getting better and better. And then by, yeah, by 2008, uh, I just started cutting on the medication cutting back and cutting back and cutting back. And by 2010, it was completely healed. And um, and did you continue to keep using that exact same light or did you do different things as your meditation progressed? Each and every one of my meditations were different. Each and every one of them. But this is the part where at first I had a hard time to deal with is that the woman's voice returned in 2007. So that part was hard for me to deal with at first. 
but it was uh, the voice was very loving mm. and it would always guide me as to how to proceed in the meditation itself and it would tell me now you will see a light like a white light it would explain oh. and this is what it does or the pink light would come in and this is what it's for uh, so do you, do you know what a blue light is for? Because when right after my accident, you know, when my back was healing, I just knew to meditate, and I saw lots kind of coming from galaxies, like you're talking about. But I always imagined blue light coming through all my spine and my body. Um, for me, blue light represents peace. So it's it, just it, get relaxed. Well, it could be that, but you have to identify. Each and every person has to identify what the lights represent. For them, hmm. uh, in the intuition training I do, um, I teach people identify what colors mean to you. Um, for me, blue is peace. White is purity. Purity. It's it's the strongest force in the universe for me. Uh, let's say if I'm removing something from a client, something that that that. that their past that created a lot of darkness, let's say. Uh, I will do it with white light. Yes. So, it, green for me represents healing. So, yes. blue uh, could represent peace and healing for you. Yes. It can represent both yeah. at this time. So, um, so, the voice kept instructing me, instructing me, and also started giving me a history. Hmm. And I found a name. I was able to attach a name to the voice. The name was Robin. And it was a woman. And she had lived on Earth previously. And she was my communicating guide. So she began instructing me and giving me information on her past life. Yeah, her last life, I should say, that she had. And um, so this progressed to the point where in 2015... Uh, one of my brothers uh, died of cancer, November 2015. And during that, I, I spent the last month of his life with him. And during that period, um, <laughs> my intuition was really strong. And each time someone would come in to communicate with him, um, I could feel the the presence in the room. Hmm. I could feel the presence. Like so he, like ancestors? And... Yes, because he saw my, my mother, father, uh, grandfather, grandmother, and some of his friends that had passed away previously. And they would come in, and I would feel it. I would feel it in the room. It's just a tingling sensation I had in my body. And I, was, and I would perk up and I'd say, someone's here. And then I'd see him the way he'd react and sometimes he'd be talking out loud or just he'd be mumbling or just mouthing words and no sound was coming out so I found that so interesting but anyways after that in 2016 early 2016 I took uh, Reiki level 1 and 2 and uh, right after that uh each one of my abilities were activated. Now, there came a point where I had to accept my NDE. Um, PMH Atwater covered this before. Yes. She said that for some, it will take up to 20 years before you fully integrate your NDE. For me, that was the case. <laughs> it took yes. me 20 years. November 2014, I was in my recording studio here, dimly lit, a beautiful place. Um, and I was listening to Eben Alexander, uh, his account of his NDE. And at one point, he used a phrase which I will always remember, like words that I will always remember. He said, consciousness is not produced by the brain. The brain uses, uh, or consciousness uses the brain. The yes. brain is a reduction valve of Yes, exactly. It's so annoying. 
Is it ever? <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point, everything just made sense to me. And that's, I, I just broke down and I cried. And I cried. Thank God I was alone at the time. <laughs> but I just broke down and I cried. And finally, I accepted my NDE. I said, I died. I actually died. I went home and I had to come back. And I was going through phrases after phrases like that. And I was saying, it went on for about an hour. And then the memories fully came back to me. Now, that's when every little bit of scenery of the valley came back. Nice. And I said, oh my God. The rock I had been sitting on, the woman sitting next to me was Robin, my communicating guide. She was with me the oh. entire way. And the cottage, she explained to me, she said, the cottage, she said, represents your existence, your total existence. She says, every line in every grain, every line in the wood that you see represents your path in a lifetime. And everywhere I'd look around the cottage, I could see these lines that intersecting all over the place. Wow. And I thought, wow, this is so amazing. And I said, I created this? And she says, yes, you did. She says, because it represents your entire journey through eternity. Is everything mm. Ever done is represented in that cottage, and I thought, wow, it's the most amazing thing. So that's where the cottage comes in. How so, interesting! Yeah. We need some kind of metaphor to house everything that we've experienced, and that's that's a beautiful one. Yeah, yeah, it is. So yes, so that's that was my NDE, and now what happened is um, after. Reiki level one and two when I became a practitioner uh, on the second session uh, I was doing on someone my guides came in or guides came in and they began instructing me to place my hands and very specific information I could communicate to the person which would help them and so Reiki evolved into something which I now just simply call energy work. Yeah. It touches all modalities. It touches everything. Energy work touches everything. So I love to just experience anything and learn anything in that realm. But yeah, I have a construct for it myself, which is the main thing is calling in the divine light and calling in, you know, that help and getting out of the way so that it flows through me. I think, and this this is a question that I'll ask you, I think I've been doing energy work as a teacher through my words. You know, like I feel myself get out of the way sometimes in the classroom and then I feel a rush of light come through me and I feel it connect with one particular student, their eyes widen, you know, they're like, I can't believe you're saying this. You know, I see some change going on and then, then you know, I come back to myself. So it's possible to use it in motion too, isn't it, you know, like, through words or through what you have been doing is energy work anytime you make yourself available to let's let's use the word god the light to guides to the angels to ascended masters to beings of light anytime you make yourself available to channel energy words communication words have energy there's an emotion emotions carry energy yes so were you doing energy work absolutely yes of course you were of course you were i mean this was part of your uh, nde too yeah yeah i didn't deny it because i knew part of my mission was to tell the story to students and it would change the classroom when we talked about my near-death experience but but i do 
understand why a lot of people denied it. And I certainly didn't come out until 20 years later and start blogging and, you know, talking to the rest of the world about it. You know, like I, yes. I had one little moment or two with researchers where I talked, but it took me a while to just go, this is who I am and here I am. And so I think I do yeah. understand why you waited. There's, there's judgment well, sometimes that we have to face from oh, family members oh. or other people. And there was no way I was coming out to my really? family members. No, really? there was no way. But there's another aspect to my NDE is um, what happened to you, to you, let's say you're, uh, during your NDE, you died at an accident scene. Uh, at, no, sorry, sorry. At, uh, at the operating, you had an accident, you were taken to the hospital and you died on the operating table. You had someone there to tell you that you died. Yes, you didn't huh? have that. Yeah. I did not have that. I had the experience, but I had no one to, 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 to go to and say, what happened that day? Help me understand. Yeah. You know, because what I experienced was ultra real. It's, it's, it's reality. And what I came back to was not real. And I was in a confused state. You know, I was... And it was so, what I had experienced was so different than what I was expecting because I was born into a Roman Catholic family. Mm, and yeah, so there was, it's, within the religion itself, uh, there's sin, there's judgment involved, and there's hell. I saw none of that and I felt none of that. It was so far from my reality. So, so you didn't have the life review that some people have. No, I, I didn't have that. And I always wondered why. And I asked my guides, and I received no answer whatsoever on that. <laughs> you just have to wait for the final one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but back to the energy work, which is so yes. interesting. So the guides came in, and I've noticed that, you know, when we take on more, the energy shows up. Is that how it worked for you? That, you know, if you decided to take on a bigger case or a case that was more difficult, that the energy was provided for you? Whatever I need in the moment, uh, this is what I tell everyone um, that I meet who does energy work. Make sure you're well prepared. Meditate ahead of time. Yes. And ask for help from your guides. Ask, ask, yes. ask. So the more, <laughs> yes, the more you take on, let's say if you get a big case, and the case can take anywhere from a week to a year or maybe more than a year, um, and some parts, some sessions can be very, very intense because uh, some of the clients will go through emotional releases. Uh, then you need the energy flowing through you to deal with that. So you have to be well prepared and you have to be, I'd say, up to par. Up to par. You have to do your homework ahead of time. Because when I get, when I'm, uh, when I'm about to do a session, what happens is uh, uh, I'll tell my guides, please get me ready. Please get the person at the other end ready. I'll go into meditation ahead of time. I always do a meditation before the session because if there's something I need to know, even on distant sessions, I will speak to my guides. I'll take five to ten minutes and just speak with them and say, is there something specific I need to know before the session? And sometimes when I tell them, please get me ready, I'll feel changes in my body. I'll feel tingling all over. And then I'll say, ooh, this is going to be a very intense session. <laughs> <laughs> I know ahead of time. I know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, and, yes. So, like you said, yes. And I have to say that the time that you meditated along with me to help me prepare for a session, oh, my God, that session was so good. <laughs> so... <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> it was so profound. It was, yeah, it just amplified it. So maybe to other energy workers, like, yeah, if you can have someone else give you support before you go into a difficult one, how beautiful is that? Well, even some, uh, I train 
other energy workers right now. And um, even during the training, if, if I'm going into a difficult session, I will tell my trainees, hey, I need your help here. Awesome. You know, I, can't, I can't do this alone, you know. And, or if they need help, they simply have to ask. They know I will provide the help. I'll give them what they need, you know. Yeah, and you do. I mean, it it showed up, and it was all, it was like I was learning in the process because there was that added energy that you sent, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I do want to ask you about what you think is left out of these types of trainings. And early on, I was introduced to Reiki in the 90s, like right after my near-death experience, and I had a good friend who practiced it, and our other friend was kind of skeptical of some of his work, and she was like, I notice when the cute guys come into your office, you give them more attention, you know, because he was gay. <laughs> and, and so she would rib him. And then over time, I thought, you know, do people bring in their humanness sometimes? And is that where energy work gets convoluted? Like, the whole point is get yourself out of the way. And do you ever see people, I guess, in their ego, they might really have a beautiful connection, but they use it incorrectly, you know, to manipulate people? Or, or what are your thoughts on, on all of that? Yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, uh, energy workers need to realize they're not the ones doing the healing. I, I, I'm not the one doing the healing. I just show up. I make myself available. That's all I do. I use my intuition. To, to really messages, but I make myself available. That's all. My guides and ascended Jeez. masters, the divine feminine, the divine masculine, uh, beings of light, angels, they're the ones that flow the energy through me. I just make myself, yes. I have to step out of the way. Before each session, what I do is I, I always go through the same motions. I say, okay, I'm a human being here. I have my weaknesses. They can't get in the way. They can't become a barrier. I want this out of the way. I want to be in a state of unconditional love, unconditional love or as close to unconditional love I can be. And so I tell them, this is your job. Help me get this done, please. Let, put me in this state. Uh, I want to step out of the Daniel... I want Daniel to step out of the way. I am just medium by which the energy will flow. That's all an energy worker is. Yes. And I don't care if people will argue with me, oh, yeah, but I went through all that training. and it, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. You still have to step out of the way. Yes. There and, are, you know, go ahead. No, go ahead. And here's a thought too, you know, like I clearly saw that the angels were sending energy through my surgeons. And it kind of clicked that, like, if you're in motion, they can work through you. Maybe if you're not even aware of it, maybe they are so meticulous, these neurosurgeons, that they're just in this zone, and they trust their training, and they're just in this place. And I, I even believe it happens for, like, athletes at times. You know, they're in the zone, or they're just in this place, oh, and right. it just continues for them. Um, do you think yeah. that you you don't even have to be aware of it sometimes? I think people are used and energy works through them. And that's my belief from seeing that with the angels. I agree 100%. You don't have to be aware of what is out there. The reason I think that I am made aware of it is because I, I, I train and teach people in this yes. area. And what is uh, the foundations of Reiki or the meaning of Reiki is spiritually guided life force energy. Yes. I place emphasis on spiritually guided intuition. Okay. So I have to turn around and explain these concepts to people uh, who have questions, my trainees who constantly, constantly have questions for me. Uh, so you do not need to be aware of where the energy comes from, but there's a state that you will go to. There's a very specific state where everything flows. It's like you in a classroom. Yes. When everything clicks together and all of a sudden you're connecting with your students, you can feel that energy flow. Yes. You can, and you know that the message is being heard. You know? It's, it's, yes. And, you've and experienced you, this. 
when you are more aware of it, then you can call you can call on more energy to work in different situations. So I'm not saying that it's not good to call. I mean, obviously it is because the more that you put yourself up for like, Hey, I'm available to work in this way, then the more that flows through you. And in fact, you know, like before this call, I meditated and prayed and I was like, maybe energy will come through us to help someone, you know, I really hope that someone who is struggling to understand energy might be, and that's my intent with this video. I did the same. Oh, yeah, isn't that sweet? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. ready for these. So, yeah, yeah. Um, energy. The question I get asked the most is, "Where does the energy come from?" Well, it comes from everywhere. It comes from the universe. It comes from God. From ascended masters. From angels. From your guides. From beings of light. It comes from everywhere. You don't have to know where it comes from, but I'm kind of curious. I'm a by nature, I, I need to know every single detail of everything. Since I had a communicating guide uh, and I had such a profound connection with her, I asked questions and she was instructing me on this. And she kept telling me, you know, whatever question I asked, she would answer. Or she would place uh, the information I needed to learn or she would say something and two days later, um, a book would show up in my life on exactly the question I had asked and exactly the answer she had given me. Interesting. So just to confirm, just to validate that answer. So, you know, there's, there are forces out there operating. So. And I do want to touch on the divine feminine because not everybody talks about that, but I love what you have to say about that. Would you tell me a little bit more about your philosophy with connecting with the divine feminine? Well, <sighs> The way I explain it is nothing gets done in my life or in the work I do without the Divine Feminine. She oversees everything. I say she. Uh, is she an entity? Well, there's a representation of an entity. But the Divine Feminine is simply manifest, the manifestation of creation, manifested creation. Everything in creation is the Divine Feminine. You are. I am. The Divine Feminine and Divine Masculine has nothing to do with genders of man and woman because within you and within me is the Divine Feminine and the Divine Masculine. So the Divine Feminine is simply everything that moves within creation, whatever Whatever is manifested is the divine feminine. And there's a receptivity to that. I think part of like having energy flow through me in the classroom or somewhere is like just, I knew it could be done. So I was like, all right, I'm open if you want to. And I would literally say that, you know, before classes, I'm like, hey, angels, I'm receptive. Yes, <laughs> and I, exactly. think, I think that's part of it. Is that how you view the divine feminine as being receptive to that energy? Oh, very much so. Very much so. Um, there's a lot of misinformation I find out there about the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And until we recognize or we stop attaching gender roles to the divine feminine and masculine, then we'll have a hard time progressing. Because there's one thing I've noticed, and this is part of the, of the communication I had with Robin, my communicating good, um, is that everything that's been happening in the last, I'd say about 10 years, is very much the, present, the, the presence of the divine feminine operating on earth today. We've gone through thousands of years of the patriarchal rule on earth. So now the strength, the wisdom, the love, and that nurturing, healing energy of the divine feminine is returning. There are now millions and millions and millions of people on earth who are awakening to this. They're finally waking up to this. And it's so wonderful to see and to be part of too.
It is beautiful. It's like NDEs. Also, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. (laughs) It's like NDEs. Why is so much um, attention focused on NDEs now? It's because we are ready for them, and we are open to them, and we are open to listen to what they have to teach us. My NDE is just a, a little sliver the little sliver of what is out there. Every single NDE is different, but there are commonalities. So there there is this beautiful change I see that's happening in the world, but there still is, um, I think in America, we're seeing like some strongholds where like identity roles between, you know, the patriarchal masculine and feminine are really being brought to light and it's difficult for people like it's not a topic that a lot of people want to come forward and talk about i've actually heard some women in spiritual communities say that they just rather listen to a spiritual leader who's a man and that kind of hurts me you know like as a woman i'm like i want to listen to anyone who's wise and is giving beautiful energy i don't care if that person is 18 and female or 10 and and male or, you know, like where they're from or, you know, like, you know, the wisdom can flow through anyone at any age and any gender and any race. And it just kind of blows my mind when people have these stereotypes of who they think they have to listen to as a spiritual leader. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, uh, what is happening in America is also happening in Canada and all all over the world, really. But there's a lot of emphasis emphasis placed on America right now because, well, it dominates the news, of course. Right. And um, my thoughts on that. I have so many thoughts, I don't know where to begin. I know. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, is that before change happens, before change happens, there is always purging involved. What is hidden always comes to light. The cancer... Amen. <laughs> yes, very much so. Very much the Me Too movement right now. Yes. You know, we see this in the Me Too movement. Well, thank God it's happening. Thank God it's happening because it has to come to that. You know, we have to come to grips with this because it's, it makes no more sense. It makes no more sense, you know. Uh, do women have a voice? Yes, they do. Of course they do. Uh, I can't believe that, that, that there are still people arguing the opposite of that, you know, or that they solely wish to give their power away to a man. And yeah. there's the crux yes. of the issue here, giving your power away, giving your power away. Whatever you hear, whatever you see, Verify what's happening inside of you at all times, at all times. We have been giving our power away to leaders and governments for centuries and centuries. And look at the state we are in now. So things are changing, and they are changing fast. The divine feminine, the presence of the divine feminine is returning on earth and how is this expressed how is this being expressed right now through women and thank god it is because the gender of women is being used so that the strength that presence that strength that power can return not power to harm exactly yeah Yeah. but power power to lead and power to heal and power to unite and power to Equalize. Yes. Power yes. And it's power through love, too. I mean, that's the greatest force. I've seen it in classrooms. You know, that I can change a situation so much better through love than through any other method. And I think that if a leader could work in that way, how amazing would that be to lead with love? You know, that would be. It, well, it, will, <laughs> it will happen. It will begin to happen at one point. But we have this purging period to go through. But there's one thing I realized throughout, throughout well, all of my, we've woven through all of my experiences in life. I found that there's only one, 
creative force in the universe, and that is love. That's the only creative force there is. There is no other. Fear destroys. Love creates. Yes, and it spreads. That's what I saw, you know, in my near-death experience was if I brought it back, then in like little rivers, it would spread outward, you know, from one person to another person to another person and just look like this beautiful map full of light. And I think people don't realize that their one loving action can have this channel that well, runs through other people. And it, it does. Whatever you enact, whatever uh, you put action uh, through the emotion of love, the very powerful emotion of love, whatever you action that derives from that, nothing is ever lost. It doesn't matter if it's not received at the other end, not understood. Um, it doesn't matter. Yes. It, because you created something. You created something out of love. If, if it's not accepted by that source, it will bounce to another source somewhere else. It is never lost. Oh, that's Never, beautiful. ever lost. I like that. Because I wondered about yeah. that, you know, like in really tough cases, like a kid who was in a gang, you know, I, I prayed that it, it would make its way into his life and, you know, like really change things. But maybe it bounced off the student who was next to him or, you know, maybe it just was out there somewhere. Who knows? Always. Always. It, it will bounce to another source. You've had some very tough cases in your classrooms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's what the book is about at the end, is really just, since that was my mission, well, let's talk about my mission, and let's talk about how it played out. And the state, I know the state of America probably more than a lot of people know, because I've taught in lower-income districts, and I've taught in different places where problems seem unsurmountable. You know, when people come to me with their problems. I mean, I've seen students who've had their entire houses shot out and they're the only one living. I've had students who just live in such abuse and such horrible situations that it's mind-blowing and I'm just holding on to them, you know, trying to get them to 16 where they can run away and, you know, go to this aunt's house. Or I mean, like, these are some dire situations that um, are really pretty mind-blowing. And, and it's not just the United States, it's Canada. It's many places where people um, suffer, you know? Yeah. And I, I have a question to ask you. What helped you cope through that? What helped you through that? Really, there was the belief that the angels were working through me because I would get overwhelmed at times, you know, the human me calling CPS and, you know, dealing with all of these these situations. I would... I would get tired, you know, and I would come home and I'm like, how am I going to do this? And then I would just remember the near-death experience and I would remember that everyone is going to be okay. I'm just trying to help them on their journey as much as I can, you know, that we're all going home, we're all going to that light. And if I can spread as much light as I can, then I'm doing my job. And anywhere, no matter what the problem is, if I'm there, then that's what I'm sent to do. And that's just what I believed. And so when you have a mission that strong, it didn't matter what classroom I was thrown into. I could be thrown into, you know, a classroom full of students who were very privileged and I'm just teaching them something else or a classroom full of great need and I'm just helping them survive. And, uh, and it's, yeah, it was a beautiful experience. I wanted to end just with energy work and talking about this, if you have any advice to young energy workers who are beginning to start taking classes or they're interested in it, or someone who's never had energy work before and is a little nervous about it, what would be your advice to these two different types of people? Well, number one, um, this is what I tell everyone now. You will not learn energy work in a weekend, in a weekend course. Yeah. <laughs> you enter on the Friday night, you do level one Saturday, level two Sunday, and then you walk out of there with a certificate. You are not a practitioner yet. You have to do the work. You have to abandon yourself to, to you have to be so devoted to help people. And it has to come from the proper place. Yes. You have to have love these people because 
I'm like you here. You know, you're not always dealing with uh, with clients. You're dealing with clients where sometimes their situations are so so difficult, and it affects you emotionally. You have to know when to detach yourself emotionally, in order to offer them help. And your guides need you; they're depending on you. Okay. Now, um, you will not learn this in one weekend. Okay. I like I said before, I took my Reiki uh, training in 2016. I had been doing energy work before. Not the proper way, but I was learning something. I was learning. I was slowly, slowly integrating that into me. Um, not everyone should be practitioners. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone Because some people, just like therapy, they go in to help themselves. It's like, then just help yourself. You know, keep going yes. to energy workers, but don't try to, don't try to do this for other people. Oh God, no! <laughs> oh God, no! Because you kind of, you're affecting the lives. You have the ability to affect the life of a person because if you start using your ego during a session, believe me, things will go wrong. And there was a few times where I went into that zone myself, and then my guides right away, what they'll do is they'll give me an electric shock running up the spine. And then it just wakes me up, and I'll feel that little electric jolt run up, and I'll say, oh, okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I am so grateful. What do I do now? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, no, <laughs> not everybody should be – everybody should take Reiki if they want to, you know. Like, go for, go for your certification, but you don't have to become a practitioner after <laughs> I'm so so glad that you said that. And then to the people, because I do have you know these friends who are like mildly curious, but they're like, "What is energy work? Should I get it done?" You know, what do you say to people who are a little afraid but curious? Find someone who does it and does it well, and ask questions. Go out and speak to practitioners, people who have been doing this for twenty years, thirty years, or even five years. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are really good at it, and they've just begun. But that's because they were prepared ahead of time before they went for their certification. Speak to people, but meditate. Meditate and meditate some more. This is so crucial. So, so, so crucial. You, it's called spiritually guided life force energy. I place emphasis again on spiritually guided. It is so very crucial and you are not doing this for yourself you're doing this for other people but yes. get informed there's so much information out there there's so many good websites now I know. you make a great point that usually when you end up talking to someone like I can imagine someone talking to you and hearing your journey and then going okay I trust you so when you talk with someone a practitioner and you understand them and you feel at ease with them yeah, then go with them. And if you get the sense that they're they don't have time for you, they're there for the money, da, 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 you know, then probably they're not just open enough to talk with you for a minute. And so skip them. <laughs> your, your intuition, your intuition will kick in at one point, and you'll say, mm, "This is not for me." Or I just don't feel comfortable with this person. Uh, often, what happens is that when practitioners, um, when they see someone is interested, and they see that the person really has an ability for this, they will empower that. Yes. The person. And they will they will direct them to the proper sources. If they don't have time, they will direct them to the proper sources. So that's why I'm telling you, and I will say this publicly right now, you have this healing ability. You have this in you, Tricia. So Yes, and, I, and what I want to end with, too, is I asked you that we might do this just so that other people can witness it. But I, I was wondering if you have any messages from my friend who just passed or any intuitive messages to give me, because I think it's always interesting for people to see this in action, if you want. Um, okay, I need a name and an age. All right, well, see, because I'm not 
Okay, I'm Clyde, not Clyde yeah, Boyd. Just... Okay. Junior, and he's close to fifty, but he's passed on recently. Okay, you were really, 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 really close with this person. Okay. Um, I'm not very good at readings, but uh, why is... Oh, you're freezing up again. Could you repeat that? Okay. Okay, why is he... Why do I keep seeing... Right now, I see a lot of greenery. I see a lot of scenery... Uh, trees of some sort, maybe. So does that have any significance to you? Certainly his plants were very important, and we spent a yeah. lot of time walking and talking in nature. You know, like that was, I think, some of our best connections, you know, that we we had. Okay. And there was an innocence to him. Okay. Okay. See, I, I had no idea. Of knowing that so okay so he's showing me that now okay let me see let me connect again okay this I'll have to share afterward okay yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't want to get too private <laughs> Yes, yeah. No, uh, yes. No, no. I don't want to get too personal or too private. Yeah, I, I will have to share with you afterward. Okay. 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 You, you felt something from him. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I want to cover this with you afterward. Though. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me publicly like this. And I can just, you know, you gave me a compliment, but I can just say that when you contacted me over a year ago, like immediately I felt your energy work and I understood it and you gave me this language for it in a way that was just amazing. And, and uh, it has been such a pleasure, you know, getting to know you and thank you for being one of these supportive friends on my journey. Well, I, I want to thank you for the op opportunity to do the energy work because through um, doing energy work for you, I learned so so, so much in distant healing. So, so, so much. So, I am so grateful to have had this opportunity. So, oh, thank you, Tricia. Thank you. And to everyone watching, please subscribe to my channel. And I would love to offer more videos like this one. And also, please like my Facebook page because I'm putting more information about classes and offerings and I look forward to connecting with you. So thank you very much for watching.